Welcome to Becoming Your Greatest Possible Self. I am Chris Burns, America's number one motivational speaker for fiery inspiration and GPS coach for entrepreneurs and high achievers. Each episode, we interview leaders and great role models who make a massive impact in the world to help you master yourself, take courageous action, and make every day your best day ever. So ladies and gentlemen, Licky is about to come on and talk about such a powerful conversation to help you identify your blind spots, okay? The, the biggest I've, I've found, the biggest freedom that I've created is when I say, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for. And when I do that, then I open up massive space for uh, life, universe, people, consultants, coaches, seminars, whatever, to come in and support me. So we're going to be diving into how to identify that and take action and really start to shift that. So stay tuned. Before we dive into Licky's uh, interview, I want you to know you are becoming your greatest possible self. You're tuned in to the show. You're taking steps. You're taking action on becoming your GPS. So thank you for being here. And I acknowledge you. Keep showing up. Keep being your GPS because that is how you create the life of your dreams. Okay. Next up is the iTunes review of the week. And this week it's gonna buy gonna be by C A Cleary. C. A. Cleary says valuable and entertaining content. It's obvious that Chris really cares about becoming his best self and helping others to do the same. He listens well, asks thoughtful questions, and highlights action steps his audience can take for personal and professional development. His energy and enthusiasm make his interviews not only interesting, but enjoyable to listen to. C.A. Cleary, thank you so much for that review. If you want a chance to get shouted out on a future 12-hour live stream marathon and podcast, go to BeerGPS.com forward slash iTunes or search Greatest Possible Self on the Apple Podcast Store. Let us know what you love, what you want to see more of, and how we can improve the show for you. Thank you so much in advance. I'm going to introduce Licky in just a second here. Before that, Grab a piece of paper, grab a pen. This guy has built a massively successful company, tech company, and now he is consulting some of the most amazing brands, companies, uh, organizations to help them with their leadership, with management, to be able to spot these blind spots. So I know we're going to have a ton of value in this conversation. Make sure you stay all the way through to the end because one of the things that he says could illuminate one of your blind spots. Often referred to as the blind spot navigator, Licky Lavji's passionate, candid nature engages audiences with his resonating message about leadership and organizational potential to power performance. As an executive business coach and keynote speaker, Licky has worked with leading organizations such as Lenovo Canada, Royal Bank of Canada, Canadian Cancer Society, and the Vancouver Airport Authority, just to name a few. Businesses and executives have recognized Licky for his ability to break through personal and organizational barriers, the reframing of a high-powered organization, and for his innovative approach to leadership innovation. And we are going to be diving into an incredible conversation here today with Licky. Licky, are you ready to rock the house, sir? How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing amazing, man. Thank you for being here. We're going to have a blast today. The theme today, Licky, is the power of progression. We want to hear what does that mean for you? You know, always moving up. Uh, I call it the compounding effect. Every day, yes. learn something new and just move up to the next level. 
I love it, man. Darren Hardy, Compound Effect was one of my very, like literally, I think it was the very first personal development book I ever read. I was like, this is it, but it's going to take a long time. That's okay. <laughs> well, the funny part is you didn't know it was going to take a long time until you just started doing something every day, right? Yep, yeah, yep. Like, what take, so. yeah, and you just get started, man. That's that's like what what is the phrase? When's the best time to plant a tree? Twenty years ago. Okay, is it twenty years ago? No, it's today. So that's the second best time. So, right. Licky, I mentioned a, a little bit about you in your intro, but in your own words, why don't you share what your focus is, what you stand for, with the organizations you work with, and with illuminating these blind spots? Sure, I'd love to. You know, um, it's interesting. I, I come back from a uh, entrepreneurial background where. I work with organizations to do some sales strategies or business strategies, take them to the next level, organizations that have hit a ceiling and take them to the next level. I did that for many years and the common theme was we would leave and they'd be excited to do the work yep. and I'd check up with them a few weeks later and nothing really got done. Mm. And that was really disheartening because I know they invested time and money into it. So I started going back and asking what was in the way, what was going on? And the common theme I heard was, you know, that hard conversation you wanted me to have with that VP of mine or that the salesman you wanted me to start motivating. I just didn't want to have that hard conversation. Well, hang on a second. You're at a C-level spot. Why are you afraid of having hard conversations? What it came across was there's a lot of limiting beliefs in people's mm -hmm. ways to get companies to the next level. So I went back and started looking at what that looked like. And I came up with it, you know, with a, not, I didn't come up with it. I mean, blind spots have been around for a while, but I started working with organizations on finding their functional and emotional blind spots that are stopping them from actually becoming high performers. Wow. So we focus on that. Now let's clear the path of what's stopping you from actually becoming the person or the company that you want to be. Wow, man. I love it. I love it. Licky, this is great. And I know we're going to dive into the strategies, the tactics, how we can do that. But let's first go back into your journey because you had a, a successful tech company that really you, you, you build that foundation of success, which I think there's a lot of coaches and consultants out there that don't necessarily have the track record to stand upon to, to practice what they preach kind of thing. But you do, man. So tell us about that journey of, of building your tech company. Well, uh, you know, the word success, I, I'm going to take that really loosely because uh, as an entrepreneur, people always think that you've got it really easy mm -hmm. and things are perfect for you. Uh, I had a company for 25 years. It did wonderful. We did very well at it. But there was also some times when we actually struggled quite a bit. Str struggling points were when we want to take it to the next level. And that was based on what I thought was right, which is just moving ahead. But there were some failures in between. We learned from those. And that's what we're putting into place now to make sure that we move ahead. Now, when I sold my IT company, the, the idea was to sit back, relax, and enjoy life a little bit. And that lasted about two weeks. I got bored. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I was given a, a book by Bob Berg, which is the Go-Givers philosophy book. And I gave away hundreds of copies of that book. And I just, I loved it so much. I reached out to Bob. I said, I want to be part of this journey. And he says, yeah, come on down and become a speaker and a coach for us. But, uh, you know, I'm going to leave the, the speaker part conversation to a little later. I'm sure you want to ask me a little bit more about that. Wow. That's that's powerful, man. So you said, hey, I've, I've had this track record. I 
I thought I'd want to sell my company and just retire early and, and sit around and have fun and play all day long. And you recognize, hey, there's there's still more of my life's purpose, my life's work to be done. So you said, I'm going to go uh, serve Bob Burke's community, the go-giver community, be a coach for them, support people and organizations to be more effective at, at giving service at giving to be able to, to create a better company, better uh, energy in an organization. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people uh, think the word go-givers means pay it forward. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about that. It was more about giving more in value so you can actually make a good, healthy living. It was mm -hmm. a really good sales strategy. So we started working with organizations to help them get to the next level on that perspective. Yeah, I think I, I heard on one of your interviews with Bob Berg about the distinction between go-giver and go-getter. And it's like, we, we want both. You want to be a go-getter. You want to be a high performer. You want to go after things. And you also want to give that value and, and be a, a great service provider. Exactly. Yeah, you know, we're, we're born. I mean, the people that get up at 5 in the morning, check their emails, they're go-getters. They want to just be, be out there. And the people that hold doors open and you know, pay it forward, that's in our DNA. So it's wonderful. But being a go-giver puts both of those things and then also adds more value into your conversations. So mm -hmm. people actually want to do work with you and they see value in you to, to, to provide. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. I want to talk about when an organization is having challenges, they're, they're not performing where they want to. Um, how, how do they, how do you start working with them? Where, where do you start with that and what kind of challenges might they be facing and how do you, how do you address those? Well, <coughs> you know, uh, I usually get, uh, get organizations calling me up and saying, you know, we're having some challenges. We've hit a ceiling in our company uh, or we need some revenue and mm -hmm. can come and do some sales training for us. And I start my conversations around why do you want to do that? What's mm -hmm. the purpose of focusing on sales? What's stopping you from becoming an organization? And what, where, where's the limit, limiting beliefs being around um, sales? Like, what, what's, a, what's a big concern? Like, sales is easy to do. Why are you having a struggle? Well, then they'll throw all these ideas. Oh, we tried this. We tried that. We hired this wrong person. And then, you know, we don't have the right people here. Said, okay, perfect. So now I'm hearing a little bit more of the problem as opposed to what the real problem is, right? But if I step back and start sharing a little bit about how I got into this, it might give some perspective to our audience right now to understand where this is all coming from. And we usually talk about problems that we know of. There's you know, right now, you can probably look at me and say, okay, I can see some issues with Licky right now, whatever that is. But the more you talk to me, the more you're going to get to know me, the more you're going to see about me as I don't see about myself. Hmm. So, you know, I talked a little bit about the, the speaking and the coaching through Bob Berg. Sure. When Bob Berg said, you know, come on down and let's uh, have a conversation uh, about getting you certified. And I said, great, but I can't be a speaker. And he goes, why is that? I said, well, I have a stutter. Now, Chris, do you hear a stutter on me right now? Nope. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> you're, you're a pretty easy audience. I can, I can talk to you. I don't get, I don't get uh, freaked out. Yeah, there you go. That's the problem. But, um, no, honestly, I actually had a stutter for just over 37 years. Man. And um, that was a, I don't want to call it disability, but it was. It was a disability for me that didn't allow me to grow myself the way I wanted to. Mm. Now, the way that came along was when I was 10 years old, when I immigrated into Canada, my teacher asked me, please share your journey of immigration to our students. And this is 10 years old, right? So I'm excited. 
and I get up on stage and I start talking and one of the kids starts laughing and then the rest of the kids start laughing and one kid yells, go back to where you came from. Hmm. Now, when you're 10 years old, you kind of fluff that off, right? Just whatever. Then I started talking more and excited, but then every single kid started laughing and they started chanting, go back home, go back home. Wow. And I got, I got disheartened. I went back in my chair, sat down and in tears. The next morning I woke up and the feeling of not being good enough, uh, not worthy of life uh, came into play. And I started the life of Licky with a stutter that, mo that moment. Fast forward 37 years, uh, go see Bob Burke and sit through this conversation of uh, go-givers. And the last thing he talks about is receiving, the law of receiving. You know, anyways, we sit around this table and it was my turn to stand up and Bob gets up and starts acknowledging me for my good traits and starts to say something like you're kind, you're gentle, you're very trustworthy. Next person goes, next person goes, third person goes. And nobody's saying go back to where you came from at this point. They're mm. all saying, you know, good things. And I'm actually in tears, uh, shocked with the words that I'm hearing because I've never heard these words. And Bob says, you've never heard these words? I said, well, Maybe a couple of times, but I guess I never listened to those words. And I always hold on to the words that were said back to me. So the next morning, I'm getting on my flight back to Vancouver. And it was a flight from Florida to Dallas. I'm sitting next to the passenger talking away. And we were having this incredible, pleasant conversation. And I realized I didn't have a stutter talking to me. And I was shocked. So it was talk more and it didn't come. A couple of words here and there I was stuttering with, but it was actually a very pleasant conversation. So on my flight back from Dallas to Vancouver, I started going on talking to strangers and the stutter had actually gone. When I got home, I talked to my wife this and she goes, yeah. So in other words, you listen to strangers and not me for I've been telling you for the last 35 years. So what that came to realize was, Licky, your blind spot was not having the ability to listen and receive the good that was coming your way. And that was a momentous, life-changing experience for me because from that moment on, I realized if I could hold on to so much and affect myself and my organization, my people around me, by holding on to just a few words for that long, how are, what are people holding on to now? Let's find a way of solving that for them. So I started my journey around working with people around blind spots. For that. Wow. Dude, I, I really acknowledge you, Licky, for the willingness to, to share this story because there's so many people out there who like have difficult moments. They have difficult circumstances. They might have stutters. They might have self-criticisms that they just they don't want the world to know about or it just, they just make it mean them mean that they're less than. Or, or not as worthy, and it's totally not true. And no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the thing, like we can always show up and do our best. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. And also the power of having someone who really listens, like Bob did, like everyone in that room did, they were really listening to you and like you were able to listen to their feedback as well and be able to receive that. And from that point, everything transformed. And I wanna, wanna reflect that into business because I think oftentimes there might be conversations that are had, leadership might not necessarily hear what is being said to them. And I think if we get trained to be better listeners, then we can really have a breakthrough, man. 
Oh, for sure. And, you know, um, Inc. Magazine actually has a, a top 10 list of uh, 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 blind spots. And wow. one of the ones, they basically says, you know, uh, being present and listening. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was thinking you're always right. So that's yeah. definitely a, uh, a blind spot that's known to a lot of people. And the other one that really is a, is a big concern is how you show up in mm-hmm. life. Um, you know, I asked my inner circle, Nikki, uh, I asked my inner circle, how do I show up when I walk into a room? And the funniest answer was, Nikki, you're a pompous. And I'm going, pardon me? They don't hang out. You're pompous until you speak. <laughs> and I go, okay, that makes, a little bit, makes me feel a little bit better, but that doesn't make sense still. They go, okay, look, l- l- listen, you know, when you walk into a room, you're always well-dressed mm-hmm. and you don't smile and you just look around like you want to just own the room. And in fact, all I'm doing is checking it out, getting un- getting comfortable. Yeah. I never want to be known as pompous. So now when I walk into a room, I smile, especially with my eyebrows. <laughs> now I'm actually welcoming and warm. I don't want to be known as pompous. So that feedback was important. But you know, if I was to ask you or your audience, are you going to go and ask your inner circle, how do you show up? Mm-hmm. Now, you want to hear the answers. And are you going to take actions on it? You know, there's a simple thing right there. If somebody can ask a simple question, Will they listen to that answer? And will they take the feedback and really do something about it? How that's, important is that? That's so powerful. And I wanna I wanna like highlight that, do a stop action and say, hey, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this video, um, who who is one, two, or three people? Let's start with one. Who's one person in your inner circle? You were gonna go ask this question of how do I show up for you? You know, like what what's the good, what works, what doesn't work? You know, like like ask for that feedback and so you can hear both sides of the story. You can hear your strengths and you can also hear what what might not be working. I think that's so valuable to to get both sides. And uh, right now, listening to this, watching this, write it down on a piece of paper, write it down on your phone, put it in your phone of when you're gonna schedule that conversation with this person. Because if it doesn't exist, if you don't take action on it, if you just think about this great conversation that Licky and I are having, then it does you no good. But if you go implement it, if you go, first of all, ask for the feedback, but then second, that's a two-part, to go implement the feedback that they give to you, to go do something about that feedback, then that is like, it'll make such transformations, but most people aren't willing to do that work, Licky. Yeah, no, that's true. And that's, I'm, I'm glad you, you highlighted that because if anybody wants to do anything at all, or you want to get something out of this day, the, the biggest thing you can really find out is who are you and who, who do you show up as? Because, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of things we know about, each, about ourselves. Like I know for a fact that I only know one language. I know that I can't fly, fly a plane. I know I'm not a surgeon. But there's a lot of things that others see about me that I can't see for myself. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff you want to start finding out because that's that whole EQ, that self-awareness. Mm. understanding who you are as a person really shows up and then you can start working through that and i use an analogy of when we're driving or we're walking we're checking our blind spots all the time right we don't yeah. want to get hit because we don't trust the other drivers now why aren't we checking for these in our lives mm. especially when we want to have trust we want to trust everyone and we want everyone to trust us but we're not checking for blind spots on a daily basis another huge blind spot is trust so it's it's really what what do you think it is that blocks people from getting that feedback and then how can they how can they shift that how can they do something about it and work through that? <coughs> well, 
know, from what I understand and with all the work that we've been doing with organizations is this is not a common question. This is not a common way of mm. working through what's in the way. Mm. Consultants, coaches that come in trying to solve a problem and the problem that they see in the organization. They don't take a step back and say, what's stopping that organization from growing? Who is growing? And I, and I love it when CEOs or the owner calls me up and says, listen, you know, we heard about you and we've made some shifts in organizations. Can you come and help us? I said, sure, I'd love to. I go and have a conversation. And within 10 minutes, I know the problem is the CEO. Mm. The way he's communicating, the way he's expecting, the way he looks, the way he shows up. But he doesn't see that. And nobody's had the, the nerve or the conversations to go back to him and talk to him. So we build that conversation into our, into our routine. Mm. What, what do you think it is that sets you apart from being willing to have that tough conversation and people within an organization or leadership? You know, I, I don't think um, we're any special or any different. Uh, the only thing that I, I do differently is I share my own personal stories about what was in my way of me being a successful person. That's why I said to you, success is very loose because in 25 years, I had a successful company, but I wasn't successful. That mm. makes sense. I don't think I treated my people well. I don't think I trusted my organization at that point, my, 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 my staff. And that's what I learned from all this uh, in those 25 years. So I, what I bring is what I, what I learned from my own blind spots and discovering them and covering them. We bring those to the table and say, look, if I can do it and I can understand it and I was able to listen to it and hear it and make a shift in the way I feel and the way I treat other people, it should be a, a fairly easy conversation for you. And what I, what I find is once you're vulnerable and you build that trust, people want to talk to you. So you build the trust with CEOs and leadership by sharing your own personal journey, and then they trust you, and then for them to, to build a more effective organization and get them to, to be more, more effective, produce better results, the CEO also, it's, I think it would be a key ingredient to be a better listener, to share their story, to be more, more transparent, authentic, whatever the, the word is that we want to use. But I think it's really listening it's it's great for the CEO to share, hey, here's what's going on. But if they don't listen, then it's not going to make a difference because the person's still going to say, well, they're just talking at me again. They're just like, you know, doing their own thing. They don't really care about my opinion or input. And like, we have to be able to listen first. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, they know what they know. Mm. And we all know what we don't. What we're trying to find in this conversation is what we don't know what we don't know. And what others see in us. And if you're, if you're self-aware enough to have the, the patience and the understanding of hearing that, that's going to allow you to get to the next level. And that's when the shift in organizations happen. Hmm. It's like asking your clients, hey, how can I serve you better? And they start telling you, well, you guys don't do a good job here. You don't do this well. And then you get your defense mechanism out and saying, yeah, but we know we did all this for you already. And mm. you're fighting back. You're not listening to what the client's saying. Yeah. And are you learning from what other people are telling you? And that's the difference is that sitting back and listening to what is being said to you and understanding that this is how you show up. and This is what your patterns are. Hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's having the humility to admit, I don't know that I don't know. That's, that's the first step. That's like ground zero. Then from there, we start to 
be open to the feedback, be open to coaching, consulting from from you, from people around us to to get that better direction and continuing to put our defenses and our ego aside so that we can let it land. Exactly. And, you know, ego doesn't, e- ego is a blind spot on its own, right? Mm. Why do we have ego? It's, it's a feeling that we're trying to protect ourselves from something. Yeah. More different than I was, I probably had a very large ego trying to protect my stutter. Mm. And I built a fortress on that saying, I don't, you don't need to tell me anything good because I'm, 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 I'm a bad person. Wow. That, that was, that's, a, that's another side of ego. Mm. So you've got to work with that as well. So you go into organizations and you're, you're able to work with the leadership. What do you do with the um, you know, next level down, the management and employees to make sure that their performance is improving? You know, uh, we'll, we start working where I start working with organizations, first with the C-levels, mm-hmm. with the leadership team, HR is included in there usually, and we do some trust-building exercises first. Mm-hmm. They need to trust me that I know that they're in safe hands and this is a safe area now you're dealing with taipei personalities right i did say c-level executives so mm-hmm. these are all taipei so it takes a little bit of time to build that trust and we go through that i, I share my vulnerability stories with them and then i do some exercises with them and they start building that trust and they start loosening up a bit and once they feel okay this is making sense then we will go in and take a c-level along with their business unit and do the similar exercises with middle management mm. and then you filter down that one um, you can't go into an organization just by having one conversation it doesn't work because it's, it all has to be different levels and you've got to uh, they have to build they have to have trust if i walked in into the frontline staff and started doing a blind blind spot exercise they're going to say okay well that's great but that ceo over there he doesn't trust us doesn't he have a blind spot so we have to resolve mm. that first mm. And with, with organizations, there's this, this cultural momentum that might exist. Like this, this is the way that it is in the organization. How do you address an employee or a C-level who thinks, well, this is, it's just going to stay this way because that's, that's what everyone else is doing? Well, it's going to stay that way if you want it to stay that way. Mm-hmm. And that's okay if, that's, if you're comfortable with that. But if they're aware that that's not normal, what's not normal about it? Let's ask the question, what is, what's stopping you and why is that causing a concern? Is that a functional blind spot of the organization or is that an emotional, personal blind spot of the ownership or the management team? What's causing that? What's causing the culture to be in that way it is? Is it the, the leader saying, you know, I don't want any water cooler talk, but he turns around and does water cooler talk himself. So what is the actual culture that's causing that to happen? And you know, people always say, well, you can't change anything here. Well, you can if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I, one, it only takes one person to make that change. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people also, a lot of uh, high performers, CEOs, C-level um, executives, they'll say, I want change. But then when it comes to actually doing the work to fulfill that change, they might have some resistance there. What, how do you address those, those people? Well, uh, you know, in my keynote, I, I, I use this example. I say, I go into organizations and I work with business strategies and sales strategies and they're excited to do the work. And when I leave, they just don't do it. They <laughs> resist that hard work. They, are, they don't want to look bad and they don't want to be judged and look ashamed. So, yeah, that all comes into play. That's that whole limiting belief comes into play, right? Mm. So we, we got to work. We have to work through that. And it's, it's baby steps. And 
you know, the easiest thing to do is what we just talked about a few minutes ago was just ask how you show up. And if you can take that answer and do something with it, now you're ready for the next step. And, you know, the next step comes into trust. And I'll share a small story about trust with me. So um, I had a hard time trusting people, and I didn't realize why. And when I went through a, a few exercises, I quickly remembered there was a, a moment when my daughter was three years old, and we were uh, on our way to Tofino, British Columbia. It's a beautiful little you know, seaside community, and we'd stopped off for, for subway halfway through. Mm-hmm. And we were with some friends, we were talking, and all of a sudden, in the corner of my eye, I see the door open up, and I see my daughter bolt out into, into the parking lot. And you never forget that as a parent. And I ran out the door, ran after her, and all I'm seeing is car coming, and it just screeches right in front of her. And it comes to a stop, just inches away from her. I pick her up, and again, you never forget this moment. But I picked her up, and I said the words which shaped our lives, which is, I'm never letting it go again. Now, that I forgot. But every action I took after that, I never let her go. I became an untrusting dad, thinking I was protecting her, but in fact, I was untrusting of not just her, of everybody around her that they're going to hurt her. Yeah. But that went back. Then, then I, you know, after I found that out, I went back into looking, okay, listen, my dad passed away when I was three years old. My grandfather passed away when I was five. My best friend passed away at 16 from a car accident. So my thing was anybody close to me is going to leave me. Mm-hmm. So trust was very difficult. But that showed up in my work. I had incredible staff working with me, but I didn't trust them. And that affected culture. Even though I said I trusted you, but I didn't. Not in a bad way, but I just didn't trust. So once I dealt with that issue, that really opened up a whole new can of worms. And the apologies I had to make, making it right. But now trust and vulnerability is really close to my heart. And I teach it and I work and I live it through ongoing. I mean, it's hard to trust on an ongoing basis and being vulnerable, but that's what allows me to be the person who I am at this point. Thank you. That was powerful, man. Very, very powerful story. And I think a lot of us can put ourselves in the shoes that you were in. And um, I think the personal, our personal stuff, our personal journey influences our life and our business so much more than we recognize. So would you, would it be fair to say that you do work internally inside the organization as well as if people are having blind spots from their own personal life, they get to get that cleaned up and cleared up and completed too? For sure. And, you know, we will start wherever is needed. And we'll start with functional or organizational blind spots. And we'll go in and have a look at the organization, see what's going on, where the culture is, is lacking, and where that ownership wants to take that company. Yep. And we'll look at it. It might just be functional blind spots that they haven't seen that's causing them to grow. Mm-hmm. Or it may be emotional, personal blind spots. And we'll bring those all into play. Because it's not one or the other. It's not, you, can't, you don't have to have both. You can have one or the other. Mm-hmm. So it all depends on what the situation is and what the, what the, what the reasons are. But nine times out of ten, um, I haven't talked to anybody who doesn't have any personal blind spots, Yeah. right? And if, if they say they have no blind spots, well, there's your number one blind spot. It's <laughs> <laughs> powerful. And also, I think the, um, let's say, a deeper, more personal blind spot 
may not surface at a certain level of the business success or hitting a ceiling, but to get to the a further level, it might come out and it might say, okay, so we're doing all the functional stuff effectively. We've reached a new level of success, but now we're stuck here. And so now it, it might be more of a personal thing. So it, it, like you said, it's a case by case basis, whatever the, the company is dealing with, wherever they want to get to, whatever might be stopping them. And you just go in, you see, hey, what's working, what's not working. Exactly. And, you know, uh, when you've hit a ceiling, the next level up requires additional people, most likely. Mm. And the more people you bring into an organization, that communication piece becomes very important. Now, you know, when you're talking to two people, there's communication back and forth. When you bring a third person, that's a three-way communication. When you bring a fourth person in, that just gets really messy. <laughs> Imagine going from six to 10 to 20. It's that trust that has to be built and the communication that, that being present and listening and taking guidance and taking feedback all plays into, into, into that growth. It's not just putting in systems and processes of growing. It's a communication factor. So yeah, definitely when you hit a, hit a ceiling, you definitely have to work on all the blind spots that are going to be stopping you from that next level. If communication isn't effectively going down the, the chain of command, so to speak, and going throughout the organization, what, what are some challenges that people can address with that? Well, uh, number seven and number eight on Inc.'s magazine, mm -hmm. the top blind spots, number seven is driven by a personal agenda, mm. and number eight is emotional blackmail. Wow. Those are the two biggest reasons why communication doesn't filter down. They don't want to look bad, they have a personal agenda, or they just don't care. Right? So when communication isn't being filtered down effectively, mm -hmm. it's a lack of communication. And that's a personal reason why it's not communicated. And it comes from either not caring because you don't want to play that level of excellence, or it puts you in a vulnerable position by you saying something. And you don't want to be outspoken for some reason. You may not want to be taken out of context because of a limiting belief that you may have. If there's a, a team that used to be performing effectively, but then over time, a rift has been created in, in the team, is there anything else that we should be looking for other than asking, how, how am I showing up? Is there anything else that we could do in that kind of a scenario? Well, when that happens, um, one of the practices that we take when we go into organizations, we do a one-on-one -on -one interview with every single staff member. And in that interview, we ask questions like, what's changed and why has it changed? What's mm. in the way? And you hear 10 different answers. So you hear very similar answers from 10 different people. Yeah. And you know what the issues were, but they're afraid of saying it out loud. Everybody knows when there's something that's changed, they all know what the problem is. They are just afraid of saying what it is because they're afraid of their job or looking bad or whatever that reasons are. But on a one-on-one, -on -one, it's funny. It's like, I, you know, I've got a white couch behind me, and it's almost like this is laying on a white couch and tell Ricky all these issues that we're having. And on a one-on-one, -on -one, <laughs> people seem to open up, and that's okay. That's what we're there for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's, I think usually a, a culture of people not being able to share, not feeling like they're, they're listened to, not feeling trust. You have to first build it in bite-sized pieces. So if there's someone who's able to come in who's an objective uh, you know, third party, so to speak, and able to, to just be that safe space for them, I think that's, that's really valuable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of fun when people start opening up because now you can see them, you know, when they're opening up and talking to you being real, mm. if they're being real, they really care about their organization. They really care about where they want to be. And they want to make that shift. And mm. then that's, that's when you see things just blossom up. I, I know that with the, the culture of sharing, um, vulnerability, Brene Brown talks about vulnerability yeah. a lot, authenticity. Um, with, with your coaching, consulting, how do you draw the line between sharing what's on someone's mind and being vulnerable and authentic and like kind of going over the line and sharing too much and being too personal in a business environment? Well, you know, it's, um, our questions are very guided when we start talking about sharing. And uh, we'll ask specific questions. And when it starts going personal, we'll allow, we'll let, you know, the leash will be a little bit longer. Sure. We'll play with it a bit, but we'll bring it back in again if we find that it's getting out of context. Because mm. it's not a free-for-all to share. It's a conversation that we have, mm. and we allow that to happen. And there's some strict guidelines on, in our conversations. Um, but what ends up happening is, you know, like, I just shared a story about trusting my daughter. Not very business oriented at all, but the impact that that story has in organizations is huge. So I never let, I never stop people from sharing their personal stories because we don't know what that impact is going to be. But if we find it's getting too personal and it's becoming more of a, uh, a soap opera a, a yep. box, yep. we'll stop it. We'll bring it back into the business aspect. That's great, man. I, I, I love your approach, Licky. When you're speaking on stage, how does that differ from like a, doing a keynote versus going into a corporation and like really getting rolling your sleeves up and getting to work? What's what's the difference? Well, I mean, you know, I only have 45 minutes on the keynote. Mm -hmm. So I share a couple of my key, key stories and give some tidbits about how to find blind spots. Yeah. Um, but it's a very engaging conversation and it's almost like a workshop. You could take that information from the keynote and start self-utilizing it and seeing what your blind spots are. What I do know is when you leave those keynotes, you are aware that you have blind spots mm. and you're starting to look for them already. So that's the that's big key about personal blind spots. And you'll start looking at your business operations a little bit differently. Um, but when we come in, it's, it's, we have, we, we're rolling our sleeves up and it gets messy. It gets dirty. Um, there are times that people say, okay, we need a break. And I, I totally get that. And then yeah. come back in again and, you know, it, it takes it. But, you know, a, a three or four hour workshop on looking at blind spots is emotional. Yeah. It's, it gets you down. It gets wearing down. But when we leave, that relationship with those three, four, five, ten people becomes stronger. And that's what we love to see before we leave. That's, that's great, man. Um, I think that a lot of organizations, uh, C-level executives who are listening to this can say, hey, like it would be beneficial for Licky to come into our organization and help create a, a better dialogue. What are some other benefits when, when you come in just so that they can be clear on, you know, who's, who's a good fit to bring you in? And maybe if, if they're not yet ready or if they're not a good fit, how do you know who to work with? Well, we get brought in right now uh, by two different types of clientele. Um, one of them is they've gone, they're going through a change management of some sort and it hasn't gone well. So we get brought in to do a mindset shift of that change management, going back to the reasons why we're doing change management and then figuring that out. 
The second audience that we get brought into for is they've heard me on a keynote and saying, you know, this kind of makes sense. We've been trying all these different things, all these different consultants and coaches to help our businesses grow, but they leave and we go back to our old ways. Mm. So that's the people that we get excited to talk to about because we know what was in their way, which is themselves. Mm. And we just work with them. And we don't, there's no blaming. It's just, okay, let's just go through what you did work, work on and let's find out what, why it didn't work. And that gives us an idea of what to work on with you. Because we, we'll take even, you know, you talk about peeling the onion, peeling the layers off the onion. Yeah. We're right down to the raw, raw onion, that's it. And then we'll start layering it back in again. So do you have to create that cult? Do you have to create a safe space so that people can open up so that they can just be real and transparent first before any progress is, is able to be made? Yeah. And, you know, uh, we never go in thinking that we have the solution. Mm. We go in just sharing stories and asking you to share some of your concerns that you have. Mm-hmm. And we'll bring some blind spots to light that come up if you want to hear them. And then we'll let you make a decision that, yeah, you know what, that kind of is a concern for us. Yeah. You know, um, just another analogy that I use is when I work, I work with the CEO and he calls me up and he says, listen, I'm not having a problem. I go, what's that? He goes, listen, I get up at four every morning and I'm sending out all these emails and my team isn't responding back by eight o'clock. Oh, really? So are you expecting them to? Because, well, yeah. I said, do they know that? Mm. Well, I'm up at four. Why aren't they? Mm. So that martyrism comes into play a little bit, right? Mm. That I'm doing, how come they're not doing it? But you haven't expected it. You haven't communicated it. If you want it, then you need to communicate that when you hire them, first of all, not after the fact. (laughs) And then then find out why is it important to have that email sent to you by 8 o'clock. Is it for your own personal gratification? that you feel that things are getting done because you don't trust people? Or is it that customers are impacted that you haven't gotten back by 8 o'clock? What's the real reasons? And we break that down. That's that's so powerful. I think there's, there's so many different places that a business might be um, messed up or not not performing effectively, I should say, just not not working as well as it could. Um, if, if someone, if a, if a C-level executive is looking at their business how do they know which what is the cause of it all? Is it is it like the one-on-one interviews you do? I know that's that's probably the most beneficial thing that could help them. But in terms of looking at their own business, how would they start to to discover that blind spot? Well, through our workshops, when we you know when we do the interviews first, and we do workshops, and we go through these some of these uh, uh, inner um, inner circle questions, getting diving into what the functional and emotional blind spots are, it comes to light fairly quickly. And we actually go through an exercise where we ask the leadership team to share what's the one thing that the other person or people can start or stop doing Mm. that they don't know that they're working on. Now, if you have a room of six people, you're hearing five different things that they want you to start or stop doing. And if you find there's a common theme, I'm hoping you'll fix you'll pick that common theme and start working or stop doing on that. So we, we get right into it in the first session about some of these blind spots that other people are seeing. Again, none of this is bad. You know, uh, uh, like we did a session yesterday with a client and for one of the guys, it was just have lunch with us more often in a lunchroom. Mm. That was simple. That was it. It doesn't mean that you're this bad person and we're going to tell you what's wrong. No, no, no. A simple thing like having lunch with us allows that culture to get built a little bit more. 
I, I've heard the phrase, it's nothing personal, it's just business a number of times. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, what, how, does, how does someone operate out of that philosophy? Like if they, if they have been saying, hey, well, I'm supposed to keep business business and not bring my personal life into it. Like how do they, how do they keep, is it possible to keep those two separate or is that a, a conversation that you try to disrupt or how would you approach that conversation? Well, okay. So blind spot has <laughs> two initials. It's called BS. <laughs> okay. Yes. So I call BS on that. Yep. Okay. It's because when you say it's not personal, it's just BS. It's just, it's just a business. Yeah. It's BS. It, it is it is personal. You want to say it's personal, so just say it. Mm. A lot of people don't have a complete conversation because they're trying to avoid the hard conversation. So just have it. Mm. Now, you just can't have it if the trust isn't built. You know, Patrick Lencioni does an incredible job with the five dysfunctionals of team leaders. And the bottom foundation is trust. Mm. We avoid that bottom foundation. We just want to go to the top, which is results. Let's just get those results done. We'll, we'll get commitment and we'll get results. And at the end of the day, it doesn't happen that way. You've got to have that functional trust into place. Then you can have some good conflict, good conversations. Then you can get commitment, accountability, and results. So we, we, you have to work through that. So that whole thing about it's personal business, BS. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be the same everywhere. You know, you, you can't, like, imagine me being a coach at home all the time. That's not a good thing. It doesn't work that way. Nope. I have to be who I am at yes. home, right? Not a coach to the kids. That's, that's not mm -hmm. going to be good to the family all the time. So you can't mix the two, but mm -hmm. you can't say this is not personal when it actually is. Mm -hmm. you got something in your mind, just say it. Yeah. And I also, I think the cross-disciplinary approach of, hey, if I need to be the janitor and take out the trash, if that's what's required of me, I'm, I'm not too low to do anything. And if I need to do an executive role, then I'll, I'll step up to that. And it's it's like having those team players. And when we're at home or with our family, it's like, hey, what does the family need? What role is most needed right now so that we can be happy, successful, prop, prosperous, and all get along? Yeah, exactly. You know, Todd Herman has a book called The Alter Ego. Mm. and the alter ego is having multiple egos in different parts of your life. You've got your business ego. You've got mm. your sports ego. You've got your family ego. You've got your friendship ego. Mm. And they all have a different ego. You know, imagine a military sergeant not having a home ego. <laughs> not going to work. No. <laughs> right? Not going to work at all. So you've got to do that. You have to do that. And, you know, we talk about baggage if we talk about personal and business you know uh, i do an exercise with, with organizations and i used to do this in my it company on the front door of my door the entrance i used to have a sign that says leave your baggage here mm. so when you're coming from home the idea is leave whatever happened at home at home but it's hard to do that so we had another part of that rule was you have to go and say hi to everybody in the organization and you come and say hi to me last because I want to see your body language. I want to know exactly how you are. If you have a problem, let's sit down and talk about it. And then vice versa. When you're leaving, you come and see me last and say bye to me. Because if you've got an issue at work, I want you to leave it here. Leave that baggage of work here, and then you go home and have fun. But that takes some self-discipline on the owner's perspective, the manager's perspective, 
saying that you really care about the individual. And when you care about them and you trust them, they trust you, that communication is there. And then you build an incredible culture from that perspective. Mm. I, I could see a potential challenge with that if, if everyone wants to share and keep sharing and take up uh, uh, executive's time. How does that executive enforce boundaries and say, here's, here's what I'm able to give, here's what I'm able to, to share with you, and here's what crosses the line? Hey, Chris, you know, um, I, I think you and I are pretty good mind readers. If I came up to you and said, hey, Chris, how's it going, man? You know something is wrong. Yeah. You'll, you'll stop whatever you're working on and give me the time of day. Mm. And we have, as leaders, we have the the, the right, and we have we have to. That, that's our that's our role yeah. is to empower and embrace our employees. Yeah. If we can't make time for the people that are struggling and having a hard time, then we're not being good leaders. Mm. So saying that, yes, there are those drama queens <laughs> that are having issues in organizations. Yep. You need to resolve that. You need to find out what that what the reasons are, and they've got some blind spots. We need to work on. And they're the first ones we need to get in front of people like myself and work through those blind spots because stop bringing that drama into the office all the time. And if that's making you feel better, just deal with it. So yeah, you know, your question on how do you, how do you maximize your, your time? It takes two seconds to say hi, mm. but you don't need to stop and say, Hey, how's it going? What did you do last night? None of that all the time. You can read by body language that there's a problem. Yeah. I know that's, that's been a, a challenge for me. I love that you, what you said right there is so powerful because for me as a leader I say hey I, I'm I want to build a relationship with my team with the the people who do work for us and like I'm, I'm saying okay how much do I pour into them and their lives and make sure that they're having great lives and how much do I just say hey here's the work that needs to get done let's get it done and and keep moving forward and I, for me it's been a challenge because I say I'm not doing enough of the personal touch to, to build that relationship with them. And I think that's probably a not enough conversation that I've had for longer than just working in, in business and as an entrepreneur. But I know that's been a conversation for me too, man. So I appreciate you sharing that. Like you don't always need to ask, hey, how was your weekend and all these things and stay there for 15, 20 minutes. It's yeah. like, just listen and be present to how they're showing up. Yeah. And just look at this, make some eye contact and you can tell right away, you know, if they're not doing well or at that point, you know, just say, look, you know, I don't have time right now, but let's go grab a coffee today. Mm. And let's spend 10, 10, 10 minutes and have a coffee or something. And that, that'll give them some time to recover if they needed to, or make that time and make them feel important. Yeah. Um, in terms of giving our, our team directives to to grow themselves personal development education so that they can be them their best selves how do we go about doing that as leaders to make sure that they're optimizing their performance without like being too much so to speak or pushing them away by saying hey here's here's the training and development that i want you to do so you can be the best version of yourself right, get them to come and see me that's it they're like <laughs> no um you know there isn't one thing and uh, recently i wrote a uh, wrote a blog and it, it, it really lightened me. Is it was all about the compounding effect, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 it was my own compounding effect because I remember in 2012 I did a, a personal development course, and I thought that was the best thing in the world. And then a week later I read a book. I go, oh, what a great thing! And I was just learning so much because I was open to personal development. Yeah. And it wasn't the one thing, but it was multi multitudes of conversations and books and coaching sessions and. Uh, counselors and uh, keynotes that I heard, yep. all of that comes into play. 
you just have to be open to change. And if you see that you, you have employees that are open to some change, then guide them to the right way. Lead them towards some books. Lead them towards me. Lead them towards some personal development sessions out there. Uh, whatever that takes, whatever you believe in, lead them through that. But they have to be open to it. Yep, absolutely, Licky. I love it. I love it, man. I want to begin wrapping up the conversation with some final takeaways about um, blind spots and what, what we've talked about in the conversation. If there's anything that we didn't touch on yet, let's bring it home, man. Okay, well, <coughs> there's, I want to work on, there's five things that I work on when I work on blind spots. And how do we find blind spots? First is, ask for feedback from your inner circle. And a couple of questions that I, I ask people, look, here's a simple one. How do I show up? We talked about that. Yep. How do I come across to others? How do I control my emotions? Do I inspire or motivate you? What do I always say that bothers you? Right? Some simple things. Now, you know, we can send this information out to your, to the, to your audience as well. So, and then, then it's the patterns. You know, first is feedback. Now, what are your patterns? What are some of the conversations you try and avoid all the time? Money, past relationships. What normally gets you angry? How do you react when somebody cuts you off in traffic? Do I always hold the door open for others? Do I expect the whole door to be held open for others? Here's some of the patterns that make you understand what those things are. Then there's some actual trigger points that come from your past, right? Mm -hmm. Then I say things like, think about your first memory, your bad memory, your most recent success, your most, most recent challenge. I go through this exercise with them and it starts bringing up all these trigger points that they realize why they are the way that they are. Mm. And then the last two things are, these are action items. Be authentic and then learn to receive. Receive the words that are being said to you. Be really, really present so you can hear what people are saying. And don't judge when they say something to you. Just listen to it because they're telling you because you asked them. Licky, this has been amazing, man. How do people take those next steps with you? How can they get in contact with you to bring you into their organization, to work, do workshops, do keynotes? How do they get in contact with you, man? The easiest way is reach out me at success at LickyLavG.com. So success and then at L-I-K-K-Y-L-A-V-J-I.com. And we'll set up a call. I'm open to that. Or send me an email and I can send you my... 10 tips and how to find blind spots as well. Sweet. Licky, yeah. this has been powerful. And I know any executive who's listening to this is like, all right, I got, I got some homework to do, but it really will make the difference, man. I, I just, I can tell that, that organizations open up, there becomes more trust, there becomes more efficiency and effectiveness, communication so that they can achieve better results, man. So I, I just I really appreciate the work that you do. And thank you so much for sharing with our audience about what we can do to find our own blind spots and, and create more success, man. I appreciate you. Well, Chris, thanks a lot for having me on this. And I love what you do for the community. Thank you. Keep it up. Thank you, brother. You have a great day. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning in. Right now, we've reached the end of this episode, but this is the start of a whole new beginning. Each and every moment, you have an opportunity to rewrite your story. Right here, right now, decide and commit who you are going to be. 
Think about how you will use these ideas, wisdom, and inspiration to make the difference in your life. What actions will you take today and every day to step into your greatest possible self? Again, a big shout out to our sponsor, EmployeeEscapePlan.com. If you're committed to learning how to truly harness your abilities and passions to serve the people who are hungry and desperate for what you have to offer, make a great income off of your genius, or if you're ready to get more clients to pay you more money, head over to www.employeeescapeplan.com and let Joe know you were sent by Chris. Did you enjoy this episode? Let your friends know about it. Share the website, beyourgps.com and send me some love on social media. If you want to clarify your vision, uncover blind spots, get more energy, tap into your flow and take massive action, head over to beyourgps.com forward slash coaching to schedule some time into my calendar. Now, master yourself, create your reality, and make every day your best day ever.